You're listening to Red Nation Online. Saturday, July 18th. It's Steve Perry. I'm Ian Clark. And we're back from BMO Field. A 2-1 win over the Philadelphia Union. And another man-of-the-match performance from Jovinko. The Reds bounce back and look the part against their Eastern Conference rivals. We break down the match. Enter the MLS MVP discussion and where Jovinko fits in. Ask ourselves if this season's performances have been worth years of futility. And finish off with a tall glass of iron brew. And farewell to Steve Caldwell. All this and more in the next 35 minutes on Eastside Stand Up. But I do want to start with an important piece of analysis off the hop in that I don't think I've ever sat in a bigger pool of my own sweat <laughs> at, a, at a Toronto Sea game in my life. It was a steamer. I think I may have sweated, dried off, sweat again, all the while just stewing in it. It's actually happening right now. Yeah, <laughs> we're back at it as we're on top of our R&O rooftop studios, um, back from the 2-1. Two, two back from the sauna. I, I predicted 2-0. <laughs> 2-0 was the prediction on the site. Well, it was so close, actually, to being correct, because uh, if Casey didn't put that one in at the end, would have been it. Pretty pissed. You would have you had it spot on. Yeah, I would have been tweeting about it. Would have felt really good about myself. So now I only, <laughs> I only now I just have my stank. And, uh, and Howard said, stories every time Casey Connor comes to town, he scores Connor against Connor Casey. Sorry, Connor Casey. Every time he comes to town, he scores against us. He does well. He, he always burned us more than once. Yeah. So that's... Uh, as soon as they called the substitution... I thought, fuck, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> he's, been, he's been here before. And you roll your eyes because I... Actually, uh, TFC historians can remind me. I think we picked him up, like, when we did our expansion draft. Oh, really? He, we picked him, and his wife didn't want to play here. So I think he might have had one game under his belt. And then she was like, get me out of the city. And so he was gone. <laughs> okay. And I, and I think... I'll give a, a shout-out. I think it was Big Noof uh, who was calling it out that I think there was six players who have played for either team going into this game because Moadu oh. right Moadu is on okay. Philadelphia Connor Casey technically um, a few guys back and forth I won't rock my brain much harder than that because I've got, I've got I've got heat stroke luckily <laughs> we've got notes in front of us today because uh, I am desperately just uh, trying to pull a little bit of energy out and I, and I will say off the top the one thing I didn't see from this game was a lack of energy I would have thought um they may have been dragging their feet a bit more, but overall, At least the, I, thought, I would say that for the first half, for sure. Yeah, the first half was an exciting half, uh, and so that's when we went up two one or two nil. Yep, I think, and we held on to it until right until the end of the game. Uh, the result was two one. I found it a very physical game, a uh, very cat and mouse game. Uh, it was there was lots. Of, it, it at some point at the beginning, like from the beginning, it felt like. Every play mattered. Every little touch on the ball was something. And when somebody did a screw up, you're like, this is it. This is our chance. You know, like I remember at one point there was a, um, a corner that Philadelphia gave us. And I thought, this is it. 
we're gonna go ahead. We didn't go ahead, but we did have a set piece. Yes. Which is yeah, you, that <laughs> you, you make note of every time it happens. And on the flip side, though, Philadelphia had two close chances. Three. Yeah, before first. we scored that first goal, where yeah. I, I was saying, shit, it looks like Philadelphia. I mean, we don't look like, like... It felt like a nail-biter at that point. Yeah. And, yeah. it, and it looked like who was gonna get who was gonna break through on their first chance but I felt that Philadelphia was getting better ones uh, off the stop a little bit closer to goal a little bit of chances there off the hop if we just dive right into this Steve I think you know coming out of last week's game in New York which was an absolute slugfest is the way that I would describe it and the, the, the funny thing I mentioned on Twitter was the night before Saturday night there was a, a UFC that if anyone follows that every fight was just two guys swinging and when you thought one guy was going to get knocked out the other guy came back and started knocking him out or knocking him down and this was the way that Toronto FC game was that New York goes up 2-0 and then we're up 3-2 and then it's 3-3 and then it's 4-3 and then it finishes 4-4 and you're just out of breath and you're dizzy <laughs> and I luckily I was, I was able to lay down on the couch and just sort of like say holy shit what the hell did I just watch and obviously what I what we had watched coming out of was that was a, quite a bit of redemption for Jovinko from the previous New York City FC game um, that you were at, I was not, at uh, BMO Field, where they just, they had the right approach to pretty much shut him out of the game. Yeah, for sure. And then he turned around and uh, pretty much got revenge for that approach in New York. But in that game... And, we, and you were saying you thought that was pro- possibly because we were missing Bradley and uh, Altador, right? Which, so which I mean, there's a bit of, like, how does that make sense? But I maybe thought that because we were missing some key players that New York thought they could... They could back off. They could back off a bit and not have to necessarily focus so much because it's like, who else is he going to... Who else is going to pick up the slack? Which which happened in this game, too, with uh, between Morgan and Latou, I think his name is, uh, where at one point uh, Morgan schooled Latou by going back around him three times he went back back and back again and then after that like after he sort of embarrassed him he kind of laid off and just like uh gave him a lot of space a lot of territory and the guy kind of he delivered a perfect one luckily it was offside yeah for sure yeah but if i want i wanted to touch on that lineup was that of course between the post we saw joe mendick return because chris kanofka got a got a delayed suspension from last weekend's game uh, and then, of course, we, the the biggest thing I think coming in this game was was the Gold Cup. Uh, Canada was was knocked out, didn't get out of the group stage, and then we saw uh, Josie Altidore, who wasn't really getting any time, or I guess technically wasn't seen to be fit enough for the U.S., was allowed to come back to Toronto. So we fortunately saw this defensive formation that I think, I mean, I, it's not the greatest, but I think it's what we've seen the best is is Justin Morrow on the right side, Morgan on the left, with Zavaleta and Perky in the middle. That seems to be where it's been most steady, I've found, so far this year. But a bit, a bit risky because uh, Morgan and uh, Morrow play wing-back positions, which spread us a little thin on the back. And at times we were getting caught. Uh, the three balls, that, the three chances that Philadelphia had in the first half uh, were because there were through balls through the center. You, were, you actually remarked about going, it's through the center again. And I, I felt it's because we've spread so thin and we've put on more attacking options but what we're, how we're paying for it is that we're getting caught in a counterattack through the middle, which is embarrassing in some ways. Like, you, through the middle? But it's because we're spread so... Like, the, the two mid guys have to cover distance on the outside too, right? Yeah, and, then, and, when we're, and when we're talking about Morgan and, and Morrow, there, there was an interesting observation on the formation we were playing with both of them. I mean, they weren't just playing wingbacks. I mean, that points... Morrow was up and attacking in the attacking line. Yeah, he was in line with Jovinko. At he just point. missed something on the against the keeper, right? Yeah, uh, when the keeper was doing like a lazy clearance, and he 
jumped in front of it and almost got a piece of it. Yeah. So it was almost like when the ball was on the opposite side of the pitch, uh, whoever it was, the, the most obvious one was one in the first half, like around the sixth or seventh minute. Moro was pushed great so run. far up. Yeah, he had a great run, actually. And then, of course, we saw through the middle, we saw Shavery, Warner, Osorio, and Delgado. And, of course, Jovinko and Alzador up top. And you remarked it uh, about Delgado's play. He had a great game today. Another great game. Earned the first goal. Yeah, second. Is... Scored last week against New York. and then... No, no, but he scored uh, our first oh, earned goal. Earned our tonight. first goal, correct. Tonight, yeah. Yeah. Which uh, was, uh, so he sort of got in the front of, so he followed a ball. And he actually got the ball back and then sort of lost a little bit of the possession. The, key, the defenseman went to clear it, kicked it right against him, and, and somehow His went. momentum going forward. Just put it in. Put it in. I mean, it wasn't a pretty goal, but... In the replay, it looks like a pretty goal. <laughs> <laughs> in the moment, it looked like a great... Like, it looked... The, the the sort of the cadence and the sequence, if you didn't know... Like, at first, it didn't look... You knew that, that the defender kicked it. You just thought that there was tic-tac-toe right through the middle, and yes. he just got on the end of it and struck it in. It looks like a beautiful goal, but it was actually an accident. <laughs> but we'll take it, and that's that's two, two for two so far for Delgado, who's kind of emerged out of nowhere, I guess, in the last month. He came out of that U-20 World Cup and... I guess uh, Greg Vanny, of course, knew him from Chivas USA. Brought him here when the when the team dispersed, and uh, it looks pretty shrewd. There's a couple guys out of that about that dispersal draft that teams picked up on that had some decent players at mm. Chivas USA, and so I guess that's a good thing. Now we have we have decent midfield depth, yeah, uh, with some youth, and that's of course important because before we were relying on Finley and Jackson uh, for those guys, and it looks like Delgado's come in and proven to be a more exciting a starter, option, that's for sure. for sure. Yeah. And that's the thing, I think, in that we were sort of talking about the, the pace of the game early on, Steve, and that was it, right? Like, it sort of, and when we got into the 20th minute, sort of, there was about, even from the 20th minute into the end of the half, you know, at the 21st minute, we saw a good attempt. We're out, Altador, to Delgado, to Osorio, to Jovinko, and that was common through that first half, was those four, play, four players all linking up. Which makes sense, because they're all in the middle, right? So, those are the middle guys who are moving forward and yeah they played great together I think yeah and I think this game is one where it was worth you know right after that first goal I said to you I said you know it would I don't know I don't know why I was like I just sort of was watching his play and saying you know I kind of feel like this would be a good game to see Altidore score a goal um, and the observation at that point was that uh, he's not I've never seen him as such or characterize him as like a you know never thought of him as like this center forward back to goal but he was playing that today at points and being very effective. And we saw that in the second goal where he held up the ball, took it on a bounce, headed it onto the path of Jovinko, who carried it into space, took struck it out, took a shot, which was, this got was his own hilarious. Re- got his own rebound. Shame. And put it through. Shame on the Philadelphia defenders, man, because they just, he struck that ball. It was like a... You it's know, like, like a, they, they had given up after the shot. Yeah, it was they like thought, a penalty kick, Yeah, right? Where <laughs> yeah. They, 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 they think it's going to go in, so no one moves. Yeah, and then he's and then he's the only one running still. Everyone else was standing. Still. And he, but you could see that he struck the ball, and he kind of took us half stutter, where it was like, okay, I've struck it. This is the end of the play. And then I think he realized, a, the ball is coming back, and b, none of these guys are moving. Well, as a natural striker should, just follow your play ball, right? Follow your play. That's what you should do. You should always follow the play, regardless, right? So he made the right move. He did the right thing. Uh, and then he had a fucking great chance where he oh, yeah. had a breakaway, right? With Altador set him up with another breakaway. And uh, so it was like a, it gave him a leading pass. I 
think it was Altidore. Yeah, it was, was, was. And 39th minute. And he ran in onto it, and then he just kind of, like, keeper came out, and he just trying to put it back, and he kind of kicked it with a backspin so that it would spin back towards the net. Uh, but it just went a little bit too much and just wide, right? So it just went shy, but it looked like it was going in. It looked like it was going to be a beautiful goal. Anyway, that was a, that was a, that was a highlight reel. We were going losing in, it. That was a highlight reel. Yeah, because as oh, soon man. as you, like, that was the first thing when he, and he had a play like that similar one last week. Where he chipped it over, he chipped it over the keeper short range, and I was thinking, is he going to do that the same play again, where he's going to curl it over? And uh, as soon as you saw that ball land, you, know, you just there's some of those little tricks that this guy has up his sleeve, and you're like, he put fucking side, but like he put spin on this. He put a backspin on it. He put backspin on it. He kicked it underneath, so it spun backwards, so it spun to, spin towards the goal, and. The great thing about that is if the if you even if you kick it too far, if it spins enough, yeah, the momentum will go forward as opposed to sideways, right? But it went a little bit too far. It wasn't meant to be. Anyway, it was, but it was a great idea. Don't even know if it was on purpose, but it looked great. <laughs> and uh, you know, we at, at the half, you know, we had a little bit of a discussion and something that uh, you know I thought about through the week, and there's a lot of talk about it now, just because the quality of the league and how. There's just it just feels like this year we've seen way more Europeans come in of high pedigree any any year in this league. And last week uh, against New York, I was watching the ESPN feed where they were having at the start of the game they're having this debate who's better, you know, David Villa or Jovenko. And they There's sort no of, qu- and they sort of did that at our home game. They said, but they they just sort of squashed it and they said. They just said we got we're level at the front. So that was the game where whatever that girl is who does all the things in the stadium, I can't even remember her name now. The new Rachel, she um, she was actually she did a, a pregame analysis on the scoreboard like in, in before the game. So usually she doesn't talk until like the half, right? So but she was actually on the scoreboard before the game and they did a pregame analysis and it was like I thought okay this is. This means it's a big game, maybe. Like they're trying, or maybe they're trying something new. I thought it was actually a good thing to do. And so, you know, usually you get that when you're watching the TV broadcast, right? Because we don't get the TV broadcast, she was doing, she was filling that thing, and she said, "Well, we got equal firepower up front." So they just kind of leveled it, but they didn't actually go into it. And then we saw maybe it wasn't so level, like the way they marked out Javinko in that game. So sorry, but you're, you were telling me that on the game on Saturday last week, last week. That they did a complete analysis that you disagreed with. Well, that and they were, you know, they. I, th- I think it's Taylor Twelman who does ESPN one, and, and they were very much at the start of the game. We're saying, you know, it's it's David Villa for us, David Villa, and you know, he had six goals in six games at that point, and they were looking at their recent stretch and wh- and th- what whatnot. As that game went on, I mean, to my eyes, Jovinko had a hand and scored three goals, and and got an assist on the fourth. I mean, he had a hand in every single goal that happened, whereas. David Villa had a, you know, didn't. Now he certainly certainly played a great game, but and then it wasn't just that; it was the array of goals and how he got his assist. That I just I just don't see David Villa carrying the ball from his own inside his own half through players along the touchline, de- like doing these dekes and shimmies and whatever, and then slotting it into the into the six yard box for someone to finish it off. I mean, David Villa is more of a, you know, a predator in and around the 18-yard box, can shoot a little bit from distance, can score on a set piece. Not that far off, but that's what that's what I've seen. That's what I'm that's what that's me rooting for the hometown boy. Maybe being a little bit of a TFC homer. Uh, and then again today because I felt I didn't see last week's game, but uh, when I saw the home game, 
I felt the exact opposite, actually. I felt uh, Javinko was completely marked out of the game. Uh, through no fault of his own, I think they actually put two players on him. So basically, they just didn't let him touch the ball, which made him very ineffective, and he wasn't able to get the ball. So they were good defenders, uh, and they should have done the same thing, especially if they had less players to cover, right? Um, and I found that David Villa was doing sort of some off-ball stuff, and he was like not even trying and scoring. I mean, granted, the first goal that he scored was off of a penalty which shouldn't have been given, but the second goal was a beautiful goal, and and he did and he wasn't selfish. Like he also set up other players. So I just felt uh, it was. I think it had more to do with like uh, just the game. Probably. Yeah. Well, and, and the thing that it's I'll hard say, to tell, right? and the thing I'll say out of that is two games can't really tell this. No, and, and that uh, you know we're we have a team. But where but we, I was but I told you that I think Javinko has to work harder. I don't think David Villa has to work harder. That's all. Yeah. It's so, a different setup. So maybe that's why it's uh, something that you root for because it's something, I mean, you can appreciate someone who actually does the hard work. Right? Yeah. And it's also, like I was going to say, that it's, uh, you know, showing appreciation that we have a guy that we're watching every week that is in the conversation of league MVP that we can offer, oh, yeah. we can have this discussion, we can have this analysis, say, because of course now it's Robbie Keane who's also they're saying is is the league MVP. He's the one who's going who has a similar statistics to Joe Vinko. I think he's on. I think Joe. I think Robbie Keane is in the same area of like ten or eleven goals and five or six assists. Where Joe Vinko now is on twelve goals and nine assists. I think somewhere in that area. So they're also very similar in their impact. And Robbie Keane's played fewer games. Okay. There's all this. There's yeah. all this banter back and forth of who's who's making the greater impact in the league. And uh, and we can weigh in on this for once. In Toronto, it's yeah. Uh, usually, we've been out of this conversation. Yeah, not only in in the position in the table with our club in general, as well as the players that we have in our roster. Yeah, for sure. So, I'm just showing some appreciation for that. It's a different year. Yeah, completely different year. And then, if we just roll in the second half, I mean, we're at two 0 at the half, and the only thing that I said to you, Steve, in the first half was, I mean, I wonder, I was a bit well, you concerned. Said a, you said a lot of things. Yes. You said, oh, Jonathan Nasorius is on the pitch. You said that at one point. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I did say it. Well, because I didn't... It wasn't until, what, something like the 20th no, it's minute. No, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with that you. That I said, oh, that I, see, I noticed he's on the field, number 21. I got helicopters flying around today. Yeah. Pan Am choppers. Um, Pan Sham. Yeah. Um, I don't even know where, where I was going on with that. You're going to talk about the nonsense, uh, how hard it was to get to the stadium tonight. No. You were t- uh, some things that we... Oh, but yeah, I was saying, time. you know, a, a 2-0 lead at the 32nd minute is a lot of time for another team to come back in the game. Yeah. That was my concern yeah. at the half and, and, and going into the, into the last But we still five. played the game and, until the last five minutes of that half, at least, anyway, and then we started sort of keeping the ball away. So I think it was even, like, at the 43rd minute when I started noticing the ball went back to Bendik. It's like, oh, they're passing back to Bendik now. They're mm-hmm. trying to – now, all of a sudden, it's possession game and just keep the ball away from Philadelphia. So that's when I started realizing. And then you said, well – because uh, I think at that point you noticed that we were playing that possession game, which is just keep away, and you kind of that's when game teams fall out of the game. And I, you said, well, that might be it for us. Can we hold on to this? Uh, which I think is reasonable to say because at the half, usually when you've had time to think, all of a sudden, and you realize that you're up to, uh, you can kind of get a big head about it, right? And then stop playing the game. Yeah. And which, you never know how the other team is going to come out. But I think with the heat today, I think the heat played a factor. And I think uh, a bunch of, I don't think people were running so much. But Philadelphia did start getting more chances. 
it did feel like maybe they would catch us and then they made the substitution. It didn't seem that effective initially, and he, he always plays like that, right? Connor Casey? Casey yeah, Connor? Connor Casey. Connor Casey. <laughs> it's easy one to flip around. Um, he's got two first names. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, he doesn't look like he's necessarily that effective, but he was having a touch all the time in the play. So I just was like, you got to watch this guy. Like he's, And they weren't really marking him well, but maybe that's because they were tired, and Connor Casey had fresh legs, right? Yeah. So uh, anyway, he always... <laughs> There's just certain guys in league, just, eh? You know that when they come on, you say, oh, Just watch boy. him. Just pick him up. Yeah. Mark him in on men. Yeah. I don't care if there's only 10 minutes in your knackered. You got to run. This is the time when you earn your paycheck. Yeah. But, he, and of course, he, he put through that at the top of the 18, got the ball, scored that goal, and then... But that was right at the 90th minute in Toronto. And, I, you know, there was a minute where I was a little worried, but then I saw how things kind of played out. It didn't look like Philadelphia was going to be able to pull it off, and, of course, we finished 2-1. Um, and I guess a few things that, uh, off the hop... This was an important game. Even though we have games in hand, if Philadelphia had won this game, they would have hopped over us on the table. And then, of course, with this game, with games in hand, and still some games to play, though, at the point of this podcast, we're sitting in second place, which is crazy. It is crazy. However, we... That's probably the highest we've ever been, isn't it? Yeah. Outside of, like, the opening of the season? This season. No, any season. I mean, at the... Any season... We can win a game or two at the beginning and be yeah. in the top four teams or whatever. But this is late in the season that we're up in the Yeah, in the never top this three far, teams. I don't think. Yeah. Like last year before this never happened the World Cup, I think we were within like with games in hand, we could have been up near the top of the table and then, then we, we lost our goal. Then we lost all those games. And then Defoe went to shit and yeah. Ryan Nelson got <laughs> canned. And yeah, yeah. All that shit happened. Yeah. Um, MLSC politic yeah. machine and then so so I wanted to, one thing I wanted to mention coming out of this game was just a couple players I think that stood out that we sort of mentioned during the podcast and of course Jovinko now has giving his kid these friggin rewards now to go play with because I think he's got enough of them at this point that uh, it almost seems like every game he's winning the man of the match man of the match yeah. it's hard not to but I think there's a couple players that are worth mentioning that probably may not get as much discussion I think Altidore is a guy who's definitely worth Mentioning coming home game. from the Gold Cup for definitely he came home from the Gold Cup for this and he put in you know he was made the right decision he, yeah he made the right decision he certainly did um, and we were very happy to see him I even in like and I was saying in in my countdown that was like it's great that Alter was back but scoring isn't the biggest issue is our defending um, and I and I think that uh, today was a game where Ashton Morgan is built on some other previous performances where he's looked steady at left back. Yeah, you, you actually remarked about how his confidence in this game. Which I don't think you can do that stuff that he was doing with around Sebastian Latou <laughs> if you're not if you don't have confidence in your game right now. Yeah, and it's taken about two years to get back to this point. After, do you wonder if it comes from coming home from the Gold Cup? I mean, they didn't do well, but like you know, you play against other teams, right? And you pick up things when you're playing against a, a different type of skill, right? Well, he didn't get any minutes really in the Gold Cup so it might have been something where he was very well rested um, yeah that could be because he hasn't played much right? yeah so or both him and John like Osorio got a you know got a bit of a game this week but he got subbed out early so they might have come out of that Gold Cup A you know with you know they were practicing obviously and it was an intense travel schedule and there was training sessions but also ready to play I think maybe they were like fuck alright I've not played and now I'm ready to go so I'm going to put it out there um, but even before this game I just think that you know, Ashton Morgan's steadily been 
rebuilding the confidence that I think was pretty much in the gutter from 2013. Uh, and it didn't seem like Ryan Nelson had any time for him or really any interest in him. But he's got lots of games up until the last few, right? Yeah, yeah. And then so the last few he's been subbed out, and that's when I think he's getting rested. I didn't know if he was injured or not, but I, I thought maybe he was out of the starting 11. And then we see him again today in the starting 11, and I was thinking – uh, and and he looked great. Like he looked fantastic. I was like, wow. Except for like when he sort of gave the charity, gave the space and stuff. Like I mean, I felt like I felt like he sort of let off. I think he should have kept it up. I mean, there was you there know, was a couple battles though at the end, right? With that yeah, that so one winger say, they had. I was just gonna mention that. Like that was where you see the confidence because he wasn't getting pushed off the ball, and the guy went down and he kind of laughed off the, like the fall. And the ref, he's like, and the ref's like trying to give him a talking to, and he can't take it seriously, right? <laughs> when he's laughing in a ref's face, it's kind of a risky thing to do, not if you have confidence, right? Yeah. And uh, and he just wasn't getting pushed off the ball, whereas other times he would get pushed off the ball. So, uh, and that happened twice actually, where he didn't get pushed off the ball. He just didn't give up that uh, that that whole flank. He just kept it, right? But there was, I mean, he also, so the thing about giving up that space, though, is that, like, you can't get suckered in to, so when you're playing wing back in the first half, you play wing back, but in the second half, he didn't. So he was mostly playing the back part of the line. And if there's a, there's that sort of that, the, the guy playing on the flank, and uh, the flank, and when, when the flank is open like that, um, if you if you pull yourself out, you thin out the back line. So that becomes troublesome, right? So that that's... It's a tricky thing. If you, you know, it's important not to get suckered into that. So that's why I think he gave up the space, but allowed, you know, for the for him to fill in the space in the back line. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's just a matter of like where you go. And I do think that um, coming out of this game, the one question that I wanted to put out there is that you know we're we're sitting through this game and we're watching football that we've never seen before. Right, seeing things that we've never seen and sort of marveling. So one of the things that we didn't see before is first off Jackson having an effective substitution, oh, yeah, no shit, in, right? Eh? Uh, as soon as he came on, so usually he does nothing, right? And it's just like a wasted uh, change. But uh, this time around, Altidore went to him maybe three or four times within like the ten minutes that he was on, and to some effect, like uh, you know, Altidore gets the ball back in this in the six yard box and has a beautiful chance at a header, but was you know just a little bit too high. But you know, back and forth. I mean, I was like, whoa, he's using Jackson, and Jackson is not losing the ball. Like yeah. it's not just it's not going out. It's like usually Jackson's a black hole, right? Yeah, not today. Um, that was something new. Yeah, but the question I wanted to pose Sorry. to you was, yeah. and it might be a bit bit early in the season or bit early to come to playoffs no but i was just saying like what we've seen so far has has the last eight years been worth it (laughs) yes i mean is this this a payoff that's been worthwhile so maybe i wouldn't actually that's a that's a no i think i'm 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 catching myself like maybe a bit premature but i feel like we're on the cusp of saying like you know we've seen probably what two months of the best this, football I've ever but seen. But this hasn't been an eight-year build. This has been maybe like a two-year build, right? I mean, the so no, the eight years, the last eight years hasn't been worth it because the, most of that time has been for bullshit and stupid, stupid decision making, right? I don't think it, the last eight years has been smart. I don't think it's been building towards this, right? Maybe the last two years has been like this. So maybe the last two years has been worth it, but maybe not. <laughs> like I mean, there's still a bunch of things that weren't worth it in that last, even the last year. Was Ryan Nelson worth it? No. <laughs> you will not get me to say anything good about him. 
Jermaine Defoe. I mean, the thing about Jermaine Defoe and a big name coming to town was that it allowed for them to actually, as much as you want, like, make it seem like a destination, maybe. Yeah, it, not just not no, not that. I mean, it's like yeah, you can get some players here. Like it, it also let the head office know we need to spend some money up front. So in some ways, and like to commit to a longer term, a longer term meaning more than one year or more than a couple of months, right? Yeah. So yeah, I think. Uh, only the last two years, I yeah. would say. And and only, anyway. So, and, and then my segue of the last two years, as a sights and sound, was before the game started, they gave a little tip of the hat to Steve Caldwell, a yeah, player so, who came in. And so what do you think about that? Well. You, you have some speculations about it. So the well, tip of the hat, so what happened? So over the last week, they retired him, right? He retired. So and you, I didn't actually, even know you, he was, you, I didn't you, even actually know until I heard it on the radio that he was like, uh, I thought he was still in the lineup. I didn't know he was well, he was still hovering around the team, right? I mean, yeah. he, but the, and so many of us have like we hadn't I, seen him. People have been talking about saying, "What's the story with him?" Like, I thought he just like pulled a hamstring or just like had like a niggle, and uh, doesn't show up, isn't around, isn't playing. You know, when's he when's he due back? And then he just retires, and it feels a little bit like they're clearing space in the yeah, lineup for an yeah. international player. And it's like, and now he's got a job in the front office, right? So, I mean, not I'm not saying I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that hey man if the guy gets himself a job that's awesome and I'm sure a lot of you guys from who play football in the UK come to Toronto like this is this is awesome you know because a lot of these guys are stuck in shithole post-war British towns that are not as nice as the city of Toronto let's be let's be let's be frank so I I think it was for my mind you know sitting there saying you know we got to make our back line stronger that's not going to happen with a 34 year old guy who's injury prone hey why don't you uh take a little salary a little extra cash here and we'll give you a job in the front office and we get that international slot and now we can sign a defender and i would not be surprised if in the, if in the next month it's gonna be a signing there's new center back with this team that was that's what i'd suppose well that would that would sort of complete the deal wouldn't it in terms of the lineup yeah that might polish and that would that would, a back that captain, would right? finish the circle there of uh, steve caldwell is that but it would also give us like a a spine. Proper spine. In the team. Because right? I don't think, as much as I I was saying before that, you know, this has been our most solid back line, I still think there's, I don't think Damien Perky is quite like an anchor. He's okay, but he has shown to sometimes turn the ball over and not be super reliable in terms of controlling the ball and putting it where he needs to go. And then, of course, you have Zavaleta and Hagland, who are both in their early 20s and might be just too much inexperience. You, yeah, you just want you know you want to bring those guys along, not sort of just throw them in the deep end and hope it works out, or hope that you have a guy scoring four, three or four goals every game. Yeah, and also on the back line, you kind of look towards a more experienced player, right? Yeah, but I think the, the, the one thing I want to say about Steve Caldwell is you know when these guys exit, um, you know my just my my general thoughts on what he had brought to the team was that you know uh, there's two things that I think we should we should remember from Steve Caldwell is that. He came in 2013 when this team was just fucking god-awful under Ryan Nelson and were shit at the back. Um, and not just and I want, not just in a way like that, was you had a defender and a young guy in Daniel Henry who didn't look the part, who looked very reckless. And then they signed Steve Caldwell. And not only did he come in and play well right away and immediately play well and demonstrate a good leadership at the back and put in good performances. Like a mentorship. Daniel Henry's game did a 180. And all of a sudden, he was sitting on four yellows for ages because he wasn't playing this reckless game. And he, I think I think a lot of where Daniel Henry is now had to do with 
playing alongside Steve Caldwell for a stretch. Yeah, um, I think so too. In that half season. Yeah. Um, I can remember that against Houston. And, I mean, going away to Houston should have had a thumping written, written all over it. And if my memory serves, anyone feel free to correct me. I don't know if it was nil-nil or 1-1. Um, but it was a standout game. It was a game where you could say, holy shit, the defense was noticeable uh, in their performance. And it was with Caldwell back there. So that's what I, you know, as much as, as he got, you know, his legs kind of went through last season when he got that injury and he didn't come back and didn't look as good. Uh, I'll always remember that second half of 2013, much like I always remember that when Frings first came yeah, here. He was just incredible. One shining light. Yeah. that, and, Yeah. And we've had a lot of seasons like that where. The team's been so poor that... There's one guy that you can say, you can, I can rely on him at least. Yeah, to not be complete and utter garbage or yeah. make amends for a terrible coach or something like that. So that's that's sort of my thoughts on Steve Caldwell as he hangs it up. I really I really liked him. And yeah, I thought, I thought he was a great player. So. And he's a guy who last weekend, against a team like New York, who was fucking throttling a defense, could have used that kind of leadership in defense to kind of rally the guys and get get their fucking heads out of their asses because that's what was going on. They did not have their shit straight mm. and tearing a strip off some guys on the left and the right to say, you know, fucking get it together. You know, we have a guy up in front of us who's pretty much doing everything. Now we have to pull our weight. Yeah, yeah. You know, we can't just say hope that he scores four goals every game. It's bullshit. So, again, I hopefully they've got some targets in defense and... Uh, that's what they're looking at. So, Steve, I think we'll leave it at that. So, what's coming up? Well, Chokehold is supposed to be going on at midnight tonight. <laughs> so, we're we're getting geared up for that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if we have any old, not early '90s Southern Ontario punk rockers are going to be listening to this podcast. I think there's a couple actually, but that may or may who, not who be. Who might the understand show. the significance of that? Yeah, of us having to go see Chokehold. The guy I went to, I was at uh, a clothing store on Queen Street. And uh, lo and behold, he didn't know who that was. <laughs> That's not a shocker. Surprise. Shocker. Um, but coming up, um, give me half a second. I'll tell you. I just I think we have two more games, and then uh, we're back home on August fifth, uh, which uh, may see the return of Michael Bradley. Bradley should be back by then. So next That's week we got Wednesday. Columbus. That's sorry, Wednesday, August fifth is when we're back home. Uh, next week, so next week we're in Columbus. Next weekend we're in Columbus. Then we're in New England, and then we're hosting Orlando. So those are two two important. So the, these are all games for the East, right? This is uh, all yeah. games that are important for the East Division. Very much see, so. Seeing where we s- settle. Yeah, Columbus Whether is a good opponent. Second or not? Yeah, Columbus is an important game, just for the rival in the Trillium Cup, uh, just for the <laughs> just for the rivalry. Um, but it's also there's thing. there's key is matches. Actually, a Trillium Cup. Yeah. Well, Do they actually have tri- Trillium flowers in Columbus? Because I've been to Columbus and I don't know about that. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that they do. It's a shit old town. <laughs> um, it's a, it's and then a college course, town, right? Oh, I don't know if you've have you been there. Yeah. It's a college town. Yeah, Ohio State, isn't it? It's Ohio State for sure. It's Ohio State. Okay. Yeah, they have a bike lane that everyone throws their beer bottles in. <laughs> Fucking pricks. <laughs> um, but over the, obviously, the next home game that for sure you'll I actually you know next weekend I'm doing uh, the, I'm going to do the podcast unless somebody falls through with uh, Andre Zadarazzi's brother Julian. Oh, wow. So check out for that. That should be interesting. Uh, and then we'll see what happens with New England, but then we'll be back for Orlando, and that'll be a good one with uh, Kaká coming to BMO Field. And maybe we'll have we'll have all our players back, and maybe we'll have a new center back by that point. So, Steve, on Sunday nights, we'll keep plugging you away. Oh, yeah, this. equalizing the store at 89.5 FM. 
check them out there. And uh, I'm at Clark RNO or at Red Nation Online on Twitter. Info or have your say at rednationonline.ca. You can catch us there. Uh, We've gotten great feedback. Yeah, lately that, people so. have been paying us emails and stuff, and you know some of the some of the episodes have fallen through. So we obviously appreciate everyone still, uh, you know, downloading and listening to the podcast. And if you have a chance, go on iTunes and just give us a star. <laughs> it helps with the ratings. Anything like that, any feedback or any of discussion topics, you know, we'll talk about it on the podcast. It's always appreciated. And uh, we'll leave it at that, Steve. We'll get we'll get grilling and get up to the show. So everyone, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. We want you to get involved. Reach out to us on Twitter at Red Nation Online or by email at info or have your say at rednationonline.ca. Get in touch with us. Let us know how you thought the team did. Agree, disagree, it doesn't matter. Also, check out our other podcasts on Red Nation Online from The Black Hole, Ours is the Fury, The Footy Roundup, and our interview series. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time. Yeah.